You're listening to HVAC 360, live from the AHR Expo 2020 in Orlando. Hey, welcome back. Matt Nelson here, your host for HVAC 360, helping you be the best and the brightest in the field of HVAC. I do that either by sharing information, specific lessons learned from the field, or talking with industry experts. Um, I want you to, and usually I, at this point in time, I encourage you to go over to the newsletter, hvac360.com, but I really want, um, uh, if you could, absolutely, I'd super appreciate it. If you could jump on over to YouTube, uh, search for hvac360.com, or search for hvac360, and click on my channel and subscribe. I'm trying to get my first 100 subscribers. I'm going to start uh, posting some videos here very shortly. And I want you to be part of trying to grow this channel for the HVAC field. All right, so what's up for this week? This week, I have another interview, again, at the HR Expo. I am talking with Brian Cordill, who is the Director uh, of Residential and Commercial Business Development over at the Propane Education and Research Council. So I had a great interview with Brian, um, but I do want you, again, to stick around for some of my post-interview debrief where I'm going to share even more information with you. All right, enough of that. Let's just cut to the tape with Brian Cordell. All right, we're here at the AHR Expo. We're actually uh, talking today with Brian Cordell, who is the Director of Residential and Commercial Business Development for uh, PERC, which is the Propane and Education Propane Education and Research Council. How are you doing today, Brian? Doing great, Matt. Thanks for having me. Now, I, I guess a lot of people, um, me included, don't really have uh, a good understanding of what PERC is. Um, I think it, it, it seems to be one of those uh, uh, items that uh, um, isn't standard in a lot of places but you know in, in just talking with you briefly before we started the interview um, there's a lot of different applications that you know are you know really fascinating I think most of us you know propane we cook with propane um, you know we uh, uh, understand that you know some houses out in rural areas have uh, propane uh, tanks um, in lieu of like fuel oil, but can you kind of explain a little bit about the background of PERC and um, w w you know what you do? Sure. So PERC, or the Propane Education and Research Council, was founded uh, 22 to 25 years ago um, as a outreach from the independent propane marketers and retailers across the country, the, the major companies all the way down to uh, my family operated a two location facility in Louisiana and, and we lobbied to have uh, Congress allow us to pay as propane companies a fee to this new organization called the Education Research Council. And so PERC markets on behalf of all of the propane sellers in the country to build uh, build knowledge. So I'm here today to try to expand the knowledge of, of your listeners about where propane fits in to the uh, commercial scene, where, where it's available, uh, and where it may or may not make great sense uh, but so that's what I do is I try to grow users and uses of propane in the commercial space 
So uh, now, if people don't or aren't, aren't familiar, other than just you know what you typically you know use it for, um, where does propane come from? What what how it, how does it relate to natural gas? So propane is a, a called a NGL or natural gas liquid. So as we produce oil or gas in the United States or around the world, uh, you've got if it's in a liquid state, it's an oil well. If it's in a vapor state, it's a gas well. So associated with that production is these natural gas liquids, of which propane is one, butane, uh, heptane, pentane, and then methane is the natural gas, vaporous part of that. So when we, we produce our oil and gas, propane is a natural byproduct of that production. Uh, it's naturally occurring, it's, you know, it's organic, comes, comes from the earth, uh, but C3H8 is the chemical compound. It's uh, odorless, colorless, transferred in a liquid state, and we add a, a protective odorant to it uh, so you smell it if there's a problem. Now, is that that odorant? I know that obviously, with uh, you know, when when natural gas is transported throughout the system, they've already added that odorant to it as a safety precaution. Where where exactly? I mean, does the odorant uh, is that in the liquid uh, propane, or is that added somewhere downstream? Uh, so it would be between midstream and downstream. So as it came out of the midstream plant, it would be odorized, transported to the local uh, storage facility, which would then transport and deliver to to an end user vessel. Now, are there certain applications where you don't get an odorized propane? Uh, there's some high-purity chemicals. Uh, there's some processing, uh, actually process some CD, CBD oil with uh, unodorized. The perfumed propellants industry uses a lot of unodorized stuff. So that, And that is actually going into the products rather than using it for a uh, combustion-type process? Correct. Now, I guess, what are some of the standard uses that you see for propane around, uh, you know, around the around the nation? So, I mean, we, you know, we're almost all, or as a nation, about 75 to 80 percent of people are familiar with propane. The majority of that may just be in the 20-pound or 5-gallon grill cylinder. Uh, you know, we've got the exchange racks at all the big boxes and, and convenience stores around the country. So, so that is a, a good example where to start with cooking. And so then we see residential cooking. Uh, we see commercial cooking in, in restaurants. Uh, any, think of anywhere that you would use natural gas for heating, air, water, food, uh, any of those functions. Propane would serve that, that reach as well. Uh, the other benefit we have is as, a, as an engine fuel. So as we look at generators, uh, backup power, cogeneration, prime power, anything that's engine driven, uh, the emissions of those uh, propane engines are very clean. The life expectancy of those engines is uh, very long. The service cost is very low. Uh, fuel is portable, so it's very stable, so you don't have to worry about diesel uh, failure or gasoline, uh, ethanol weakening the carburetor. You just get away from all of those those risks. So really, there's just a wide variety of places we use it. And then, you know, we're sitting on the back of almost every forklift you see running around the job site and uh, just tremendous numbers of uses and material handling. So, I mean, is, is, it, is it that much more beneficial than, say, a diesel generator? I mean, do you, do you get the, the runtime of the lifetime, um, you know, from, from those, uh, from propane? Sure. So you would have, uh, like I said, a stable fuel, so you don't have to worry about uh, gelling or winter conditions with the diesel or start challenges. Uh, but you also have something that's either, depending on the engine manufacturer and their system, somewhere between 25 and 95% cleaner and lower NOx emissions than a diesel engine on a generator. So uh, it's a lot better for the environment as well as being more stable and more predictable and, and functioning, which is what you really want in a standby power system. Now, you can use propane in cooling as well. Is that correct? Correct. So, I mean, internationally, it's a refrigerant. 
Uh, we don't use it as a ton of refrigerant in the United States, but we do have engine-powered cooling. Uh, so up to, you know, scalable from, say, 15 tons to 100,000 tons, uh, depending on the, the size of the application needed. So now you, you talk about international. How, how does PERC uh, kind of position itself internationally? Do they, do they work with other organizations, or what's, what's kind of their... So PERC would work with the World LP Gas Association on developing technologies and bringing things to the forefront. But our focus is on serving the United States propane marketers and, and growing the markets for them. So we would help develop technology, bring it in for use in the country, but we would not necessarily spend uh, efforts in something that was just going to be used internationally. Sure, sure. Now, I and uh, so we uh, let's talk about other uh, like applications. Typically, you know, where do you see um, the uh, you know, propane being used in commercial situations? So the primary place we see the initial use of propane in commercial is in water heating. So when, you know, if you're in the Northeast and you've had an oil boiler or you're trying to you know, get away from oil, you need to plan retrofit, electricity is not a great answer, natural gas may or may not be available, uh, propane can come in with like-sized equipment or a lot smaller equipment than a traditional oil boiler and provide that, that hot water need that you have. Uh, then once you're there, you know, air handling, if it's a hydronic system, you take that same boiler, heat the air, uh, single, single inlet, single outlet, but two purposes, hot water and uh, warm air or hydronic floor heat, you know, whatever way you're currently using a boiler, we've got you know, propane product that'll do that as well. So now I, I would think, you know, at least in my mind, when I think of, you know, propane, is there any sort of size limitation that you have, you know, because uh, when you talk about the commercial market, obviously, you know, vast majority of the buildings are, you know, on the smaller size. They're not, they're not all huge. But do you have examples of uh, larger projects that use propane? Uh, sure. So Ruby's Inn, which is a hotel in Bryce Canyon National Park. Uh, uses uh, 150, I think, tankless water heaters throughout the system in various cabins in heating water for laundry, for cooking. The whole kitchen runs on it. Uh, they, they did uh, the change out about three years ago, went from, from a hodgepodge of different boiler and tank type water heater. And uh, they experienced a lot of challenges when a you know, tour bus would pull in to the hotel everybody goes first thing to do is take the shower they'd have some outages and you know they saved over they said almost a quarter million dollars the first year in refunds that they didn't give patrons that ran out of hot water while they were on their stay uh, so that storage uh, facility there uh, they've got multiple tanks couple of 30,000 gallon tanks and then multiple thousand and 2,000 gallon tanks around the property. Uh, so it's, the beauty of propane is it's scalable. Uh, you, you, you tell me what you need to put out, either hot air, hot water, or, or our burners on a range, and we can develop a piping system for it, and then we can match the storage capacity to the length of time you need or interval between service deliveries, or if you have a, um, a lodge at Lake Tahoe, that the road gets a little, a little crazy, and so there's 30,000 gallon tank tucked in behind the lodge between the building and the golf course uh heats the pool heats the building heats the kitchen heats the laundry dries the clothes you know it's just really anything that you think about in a commercial facility that uses gas propane can do that so what sort of components when we're looking at a commercial system what sort of components would an engineer typically run into so you i mean you you have a site storage location so your site plan has to be designed to have this 
facility on site. So versus planning for natural gas to come in from where you know it is in the uh, on your lot plan, you you still bring the gas in the building where you want it. We just develop a storage plan and bring gas from that storage to the side of the building. Pretty much in the building, it's nominal differences between planning a natural gas installation and a propane installation. Uh, delivered typically inside a commercial building, you would have four ounces of natural gas pressure where you have eight ounces of propane pressure. So a nominal pipe size, smaller if needed, but really if you're designing for natural gas, the propane system will function in there. Then we just have to make sure we get the fuel-specific appliances if they're not field convertible, and, and then it's set to go. Now, as far as um, the the different, uh, um, you, you you referred to the design of it, and you know we would help you out. Now, is that is that sort of a service that Perk performs? Is, uh, it, is helping or it, Perk can help design. Perk can put you uh, in contact with the equipment manufacturers uh, that have design teams in house that will work with with specifying engineers and planners. Uh, to make sure that the system functions well. Uh, we have uh, the help that Perk does often is providing you existing case studies. So we have a, a catalog full of, of installations and case studies that have been successfully created from you know a small convenience store with a kitchen in the back to uh, an Amazon warehouse that new construction built with, uh, I think they've got a 750 uh, gigawatts of backup power plus room air heat throughout the building that project's actually built with synthetic natural gas which is a way we can go in if you have a building that is on natural gas and service and suffers from lack of supply or uh, you're in a climate that the natural gas utility is offering curtailment incentives so hey i know you're our customer but if you wouldn't use anything for the next couple months we'll give you a deal the rest of the year take for instance a school in minnesota uh, that they can curtail one client and service hundreds of others versus trying to curtail hundreds to service the one. So we come in and build a system that uh, blends air with the propane and delivers what is, in essence, uh, natural gas to the pro policy project or the, the building. So, I mean, you, you, can, you can do that? You can interchange the uh, the propane with the natural gas? Yeah, so it, it's a mixer that would go in and then just, just feed the system. So you basically cut the propane mixer on, turn the natural gas off, and nothing changes in the building. So, so when you have a project that um, uh, doesn't have natural gas, and you, you, so what, what do you think about there? So you know, the beauty of propane is we are available. We're transportable fuel. We can go where natural gas isn't, hasn't gotten to yet or, or maybe won't go because of uh, extension restraints that they have on their existing infrastructure. So when you look at a project, you know, we see a lot of developers and commercial buildings, uh, particularly in the warehouse space, they're going out and trying to find a, a valuable piece of property that's close to an interstate to build their distribution on. Most of those mega sites that have been identified have required natural gas as a feature. Uh, well, with propane, you can get the site next door that may or may not have been identified uh, typically at a lower price because it's not being shopped around the country as a mega site. And then you still have gas available. Propane can be put in on site. So you lower your acquisition cost if there was a variable uh, cost to the installation because of you know, lack of familiarity or anything that that cost is more than covered in, in just the, the acquisition cost of the land alone. 
So now, uh, typically, when you're when you're designing a system like this, what sort of uh, refueling? I mean, obviously, it's it's, it's it, it would vary, but is there is there a general rule of thumb that engineers could say, hey, you know what, it, it count on being refueled every so often? Uh, no, it's it's really. I mean, there is the good news is there's no one size fits all approach. The bad news is there's no one size approach that you just take and say this is the thing. So in moderate to nor- or to, to mid to moderate climates in the United States, you would have a vaporization rate on a storage vessel of somewhere around um, 100,000 BTUs per hour for 100 gallons of storage. Uh, but because we can vaporize and put a put a vaporizer on the system that that storage requirements really not so much about vaporization as it is those days to deliver and delivery can come anywhere from you know 2,000 gallons to you know 3,000 gallon truck to a 9,000 gallon transport delivery so it's it's really just it's structural it can be structured so that you're you don't have a downtime concern uh, storage is met to meet the need in the building and then the customer and the, the you know, your your customer your end user and the provider agree on what their uh minimum level of comfort is in the tank uh, there's actually remote readers for the gauges so you can know how much is in the tank the propane company can know how much is in the tank and uh dispatch can be set up to automatically send send a load when it hits the the previously agreed upon level uh, those monitors also have a rate of change indicator to them so you know, say you've got a big backup power system on it we don't have to monitor the electric grid the the monitor when it you know starts to see a sudden increase in consumption it notifies the propane company that hey they're using the generator basically or there could be a problem so uh, in most cases we know then if there's been a storm or something that it's the generator and just adapt the delivery cycle to fit now, is there is obviously with you know some of the uh, uh, examples of larger facilities with you know thirty thousand gallon tank. I mean, is is that a, is, is that an issue that you have to constantly top off the tank to 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 be able to fill it up? Or, I mean, you just schedule delivery. If it's you know, I mean, we're talking about ten thousand gallon loads there, so maybe it's you know a huge processing facility, and maybe they get a a load a day or a load a week. You know, it just it's. It, it's just how it comes. You don't have to pay a big demand charge from the natural gas utility for a 10-inch line coming in or uh, demand charge or peak shave for the electric utilities coming in. You just build everything out with a, a more efficient, more consistent, uh, desirable, clean American fuel for the, for the whole system. Now, where I guess where can engineers get more information about uh, you know designing systems and you know the different obviously the different you know safeties and how they should you know go about you know locating it, protecting it, you know because obviously it's it would be one of those things that you'd want to have you know behind a fence or uh, you know there's different things that that go along with it. How do they go about getting that education? So the the first step we like to give is one really really hard to remember website propane.com so if you go to propane.com there's uh for my business for my commercial facility uh there'll be some some information there there's some safety information uh we are working on some you know sort of a press kit for commercial engineers so they've got the basic coverage at the end of the day though it's going to come down to the jurisdiction having 
control over the, the the facility that's being built. So I can give you national scope from National Fire Protection Association, uh, International Building Code, and what you know what's described and defined as the the national minimum. Uh, but we would want to put you in touch with someone locally in the area uh, that can, who has a history of working with that jurisdiction to know exactly what their individual requirements would be. So it, it's it's not just I mean because you have all these different safeties and, and things like that it becomes it's not just as simple as you know gas coming into a building I mean not like it's going to be an onerous concern but I mean on a case by case basis you're going to have to be dealing with the you know uh, local jurisdiction you know the, the people having jurisdiction over that right I mean you you know you're going to have to submit an application for any new building. And so if you've got to design a gas plan for natural gas, when you do it with propane, you just make sure that you've, you've met their, uh, their requirements as well. There, the, you know, I mean, there's some distances from combustibles that we want to be sure we maintain where we're actually transferring the liquid. Uh, but beyond that, it's pretty much a sealed system, you know, it's other than the burner tip. You know, we, we intend to have fire there. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, I mean, and then that's, a, I guess, one other thing that you have to you have to account for in your design is just having that, you know, delivery system, having a having a, a, a location where um, you can get to. Now, I mean, I know that, you know, for example, fuel oil, it's it's one of those things that, you know, growing up in, in, in you know, where I did, um, you know, you had the, uh, the tank in the house and you had a, a pipe coming out to the street where they would just, you know, fill up from there. I mean, is, is, are that, is that, you know, they filled up directly to the tank or are there different options where they can remotely fill up a tank from a, another location? Uh, either direct remote. So in your residential spot, you know, we're not going to have a tank in the basement or inside the house. We're going to have to be outside. And so in the commercial spot, we'll be outside. But the, the distance from where the tank sits to where the truck has to park can be can be adjusted with the uh it's called a bulkhead with the connection from the delivery truck to that large storage tank uh which has inerrant safety built into it and then you just have a, a line i've done i don't know 30 or 40 feet at some uh, grain facilities and just you know, it, it's just it's not hard it's just pipe Right, right, exactly. But it, you know, it is an option. So if you're thinking that, hey, you know what, I have to locate it in a certain place, you know, but I have to get a big tanker truck there, um, that's not necessarily the case. Correct. All right. Um, so any anything, uh, any other things that you'd uh, you want people to know about perk or uh, propane in general? You know, just that you know we, we want to encourage that top of mind presence, so that when you're working on a project and you know you, it's somewhere where the grid's being shut down for public safety, or you're you're worried about resiliency of the project. Uh, natural gas isn't available. Don't go to diesel. Don't go to all electric. You know, think about the other. Uh, American gas product that's available to meet the needs of that project. You know, I'm available, you know, like I said, go through propane.com, but Brian.Cordill, B-R-Y-A-N.Cordill, C-O-R-D-I-L, excuse me, D-I-L-L at propane.com. Uh, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, our office is in D.C. I, I work on the road, travel a good bit, but uh, be happy to help any way we can. Great. Now, just to kind of to follow up on something you mentioned, obviously, as a, uh, a backup, um, is this something that, that is typically, um, you know, they, they've used it in certain cases as a, as a backup, as a, like an emergency? I, I know you kind of mentioned the, the Amazon, but is this something that, uh, uh, you know, they have available from different uh, different suppliers that hey they can they can bring a you know a propane tank on site you know make sure that uh, 
you know you can get the uh, the connection and maybe you know transfer it to a natural gas with the the technology you were talking about. Yeah, so uh, you know, kind of thinking through the backup side, a hospital has to have backup power to to meet code. Uh, natural gas does not qualify as a dependable fuel in an emergency to meet that backup requirement. So quite often we'll have a a redundant system where they may have a natural gas line run to the hospital and run to the generator and they will have a propane storage tank and a gas line run to that generator as well there's just a transfer pressure switch if the pressure in the natural gas line falls it automatically closes that switch opens the, the propane line and and everything keeps going um, so that i mean that's it's a proven source as a backup what we also see is a lot of uh growth in building operators mindsets where they you know, they may have started with a, a storage tank for a backup generator or uh, distribution for cylinders on their fork trucks you know where they're already using propane on site uh, they start to change out equipment or make updates and and there's new technology with you know high efficiency low knocks water heaters and boilers and things that weren't on the market 20 years ago uh, maybe they built a building in the mid you know, late 70s, early 80s, oil embargo concerns, pricing, and we built a lot of all-electric stuff then. We can come into a plan retrofit now. It's, you know, you don't have downtime because it's planned. You, know, you don't have downtime. You have two hours of downtime instead of an emergency replacement where you might be down for a week to 10 days trying to get equipment in and, and change. So uh, just really thinking pro uh, aggressively and proactively uh, as you manage your buildings or your designs for your customers uh, that, you know, a planned intentional retrofit to a new high efficiency product can save them considerably over the long term plus give them the dependability in those storms or outages so that they are resilient all right well thanks so much for being on the show appreciate it appreciate your time thanks so much matt all right thanks again to brian for taking his time out of his schedule to chat with me uh, check out the show notes for a few links to a few things that we were talking about in the interview. Those show notes can be found over at HVAC360.com slash 142. All right, on for the little pieces of nuggets of information. Um, you know, I think a lot of the interesting stuff, especially from a HVAC standpoint, is we're getting into a situation now where some of the gas companies, either by local regulations uh, or um, yeah, whatever, are stop are stopping to extend are stopping extending gas lines. Um, and this is something that you know doesn't allow people a lot of choice. But you, as an engineer, you always want to keep this kind of on the top of your head uh, as far as. Uh, an option for you. Now, I know as an engineer, that was kind of the, the last thing, you know, again, I think we kind of mentioned in the interview, I didn't really, as an engineer designing, you know, structures, I didn't really ever consider using propane. There was always a reliable natural gas source there, but that may not necessarily always be the case. So know that propane is there and available for you. Um, one of the nice things is that um, you, when you think about when you think about elementary schools, um, some of the elementary schools are typically located in areas that are very um, residential. You're not always going to get the best gas pressure. Now, you know when you have when you don't have enough gas pressure, you're kind of limited to what you can do, and and the solutions are rather, you know, rather clunky. So using propane in situations like that. 
um, is obviously one of, um, you know, an, an idea that you can have, uh, that you can kick around. Also, you know, he kind of mentioned a, uh, when we talked about it, we mentioned a school that really just had a, you know, pretty constant two megawatt demand on their electricity. But there were situations, they had a large auditorium slash gym that they used on times, uh, but usually when they used it, it was during the day. And, you know, it was something that really, you know, really kicked them in the teeth as far as the electrical bill goes, um, because it was during prime time. Now, you can use propane for uh, cooling applications, and that was something that was really appealing to the school to be able to do that. You know, and I think one of the last things is that, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can work the system into your project. Um, and what I mean by that is that a lot of times, you know, especially with uh, renewable energy and things like that, there's always a kind of a, a lease option to do that. You can you can buy it outright if you want, but if you don't necessarily have the upfront upfront cash, you can always do a lease option. And there's a you know a bunch of different things that you can do. Now, I guess obviously you know talk to the propane council, propane.com, and see you know what they can provide over there, what information they can give you, um, or who they can connect you with. So again, I think what you know the the moral of the story is. Always keep propane in mind uh, as a viable solution. It may not necessarily be the one that you choose, but you know the more you do, it might end up saving you in the long run for that one special project that you have or um, along the way. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. I hope that was helpful. If you know somebody who's looking to um, step up their HVAC game, consider sharing this episode with them um, or another one of your favorites. I, I really don't care. But by this, by far, is probably the best thing that you can do to spread the word about this podcast. Um, again, extra credit is available for those uh, who want it. Uh, again, going over to HV or going over to uh, uh, YouTube, searching up HVAC 360 or HVAC 360, clicking on that icon and subscribing is going to be a big help. Um, if you're not a subscriber, uh, go over to HVAC360.com and subscribe to our weekly newsletter. Lastly, I would be greatly honored um, if you would consider leaving me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This is still probably one of the biggest platforms where people find information about topics they love. And if you love HVAC 360, thank you. Uh, but but share that with other people. Let them know. Uh, a lot of social proof goes a long way. So uh, that's a wrap for this episode of HVAC 360. I'm Matt Nelson, helping you be the best of the brightest in the field of HVAC. And as always, know what you build and share what you know.